it was interesting to me because it was it, this was a difficulty for me because once I did the math, once I you know saw the math, the math is out here. <laughs> I'm looking at it. Um, once I saw the math of of um, let's call it monogamy because that's what everybody else calls it. I don't know. The, but once I saw the math of it, my brain just clicked and I stopped finding monogamy compelling. I was willing to do it for the right person, but I stopped finding it important. And I stopped, I immediately, instantly stopped feeling any sort of jealousy in the classical sense. And so it was very difficult for me to sort of go through that with Leah because, well, I'm, I'm uh, on the autism spectrum, right? So things tend to be black and white. Like once I learn that something is, that's what it is. And, and I'm all period. in the gray areas. And, and she's got all the feelings <laughs> and I don't have that many feelings. I didn't know that many feelings really existed. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 292. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have a lovely conversation with Leah and Brady. They've been together for about five and a half years. Brady has been non-monogamous for quite some time and has more experience, while Leah is much newer. We have a wonderful conversation about their growth and journey. Yeah, I think that's one of my favorite parts about this conversation. One of. One of the favorite One parts. of. There's a lot of good, there's a lot of good stuff in here, but it's it, the, the coming together of two people one who has a lot of experience in non-monogamy and one who is new and how they have found a way to develop their own sort of special, not special path, but their own unique path. That's mm-hmm. the word I wanted, unique. <laughs> and and I just, I love this conversation and I just, a ton of gratitude to both of them for coming on and sharing and being super vulnerable with us. I think there's a couple other things that I think are really interesting about this one. And we touched on this at the end of last week, just some of the similarities <laughs> maybe between Brady and myself. Just a few. Just a few mm-hmm. and how we how we do things. And so I just, that was kind of a fun part for me. <laughs> and maybe without much further ado, we just jump into this awesome conversation with Lee and Brady for anybody who is a premium subscriber. And for the rest of you, we have some wonderful, wonderful announcements. These are premium type announcements. <laughs> we do. What's up first? First up is the premium subscription. (laughs) If you want to skip these short announcements at the beginning, yet you'll still get announcements about important dates at the end and the outro, you can go ahead and sign up for the premium subscription. It's as little as a couple of bucks a year. You choose the price. It's a way to help support us and the podcast, and it's a way for you to skip all of these announcements. Yes. To sign up, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Just on the homepage, you scroll down and you can find it right there. Also, if you're out there looking for community, we would love for you to check out our online community. We're a little bit biased, but it is full of over 200 incredible people that support each other and show up every single day. Um, We have an online community. I don't think that's biased. 
No, it's not. I think those are just facts. It's true. <laughs> there are over 200 people and they're all amazing. Yes. We have ongoing chat. We have monthly Q&As. We have monthly women's groups and men's groups. And we're just super excited about the community in general. And it's only five bucks a month to join. You just go to our website and click on the community tab and you can find out all the information there. And a huge thank you to all of you who are part of that amazing community. You show up every day to support one another, love one another, and you've changed our lives. Yes. And we watch you change each other's. Yes, very, very much so. So thank you all. Along the thread of changing lives (laughs) within the community, we're adding some new exciting new things to the community, some new offerings. Yeah, Finn has been doing a weekly men's group since October of last year, and it's been truly transformational. I know I haven't been part of it, but from what you've been told, what you've been told me. Have you not seen any transformation (laughs) in your, your lovely husband over the last... That's true. I have. And I've heard a lot of feedback from the men who are in that group. So with that motivation and feedback, we are launching additional weekly peer support groups. We're we're going to be launching a women's group and a gender inclusive group. And we are super... And an additional men's group. Yes, an additional men's group. We are super, super excited about these. Um, And they will be launching this summer. So if you're interested, we would love to have you check it out and reach out go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com and click on the community tab. Right there, you'll find a weekly group support tab. Yeah, under the community tab, there's a drop down and it says weekly support groups. It'll be obvious. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. And you can fill out that short form. It lets us know you're interested and it gives us a little bit of information so we can kind of figure out which group makes sense and what times make sense. And just a quick note too, as part of these weekly support groups, you'll also be a part of the virtual community that we were touting so amazingly earlier. <laughs> yes. So, so you will you will sort of have a whole big blanket of support wrapped around you yeah, all that's the a time. Re- really good point to add. Yeah. So again, with that, head over to our website, normalizingnotmonogamy.com. You click on the community tab, you can sign up for the community, you can sign up for the weekly support groups, and we would love to have you join us. And finally, a quick reminder, as you're out there meeting and greeting people this summer... Ooh, it's bikini season. (laughs) Regardless of gender, I throw my bikini on. I'd like to see that. I'm a cheeky bottoms kind of guy. (laughs) Photo? Yeah, if you sign up for the if you sign up for the weekly support group, I'll get you a photo of me and some cheeky bottoms. How about that? <sighs> I love to see that. Anyway, um, when you're out there meeting and greeting people in your cheeky bottoms, yeah, don't forget to get tested for STIs. Our favorite way and the way we get tested is using stcheck.com. That's stcheck.com. <laughs> I know I say it really fast. The you letter can- S, the letter T. <laughs> The letter D. (laughs) That's true. Uh, If you use the links on our website under the resources page, you can get a discount and support the show, making a 10-panel test only $129. And this is a super simple, discreet way to get tested. And we love getting tested. Yes. And we love wearing cheeky bottoms. (laughs) (laughs) And with that... You should reach out to us, send us an email, send us a voicemail. That's all on our Contact Us page somewhere on our website. You know how to use the internet. You can find it. We would love to hear from you. We'll send you an email back. And we hope you have a wonderful time listening to this fantastic interview with Lee and Brady. Let's go. Welcome to the podcast, Leah and Brady. I'm just kidding. Lee and Brady, <laughs> we're glad you're here. That's a joke for us, not the listeners. That, that happened beforehand. If you want to get those jokes, come on the podcast. All right. Welcome. 
We're glad you're here. Nice to meet you both. Nice to meet Likewise. you guys too. <laughs> Maybe just to get us rolling, do you mind introducing either each other or yourselves at whatever level you're comfortable? Um, I'm Leah. Um, my husband and I live um, in Southern New Hampshire, so we're not too far from Boston. During the day, I am a teacher, and that keeps me very busy um, and inundated. <laughs> so I'm I'm Brady. Uh, I'm a recovering uh, long term. Uh, musician and roadie and engineer and I'm now uh, in medical sales and I think that's about it I mean yeah introducing yeah. ourselves is harder than we thought yeah I don't <laughs> well, well we'll we'll ask the same question yeah, at the end yeah well we'll ask the same question at the end and see if you if you've got a better feel for who you are uh, so <laughs> well how how long have you two been together and what does your relationship dynamic look like so we've been together for about five and a half years. We have always had an open relationship from the beginning. And I would say, I guess in the beginning, we were a little bit more, we didn't live together. So it was a little more like don't ask, don't tell kind of thing. And then once we moved in together, obviously there was a lot more conversation um, that had to to happen. Um, so much more conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of conversation that pretty <laughs> processing, as I always say. <clears throat> I hate that word. <laughs> I know. But there is a lot of it, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, backing up then five years ago, you've been open since the beginning. Had had either of you had experience in non-monogamy prior to the two of you coming together? I had not. I had. And so what did that look like for you, Brady? Oh, lots. It looked lots of different ways. I've been doing it off and on since 1994. I'm older. I'm old enough that I can like remember the Vietnam War and Nixon. But so at first it was, you know, like I, my first open relationship, they didn't even have the term non-monogamy back then. It was just an open relationship. And, um, that was sort of a don't ask, don't tell thing, you know, cause it was a long distance relationship. And then you know, the next one after that, it was a bit before I had another one. And that was a fully, you know, uh, kind of what you would now call kitchen table um, situation. We hung out with each other's partners, sort of stunned everybody doing that. That wasn't really a thing uh, in, you know, 1999, 2000. Right. But the real, um, the thing that brought me to it, it was uh, uh, math. Yeah. Um, well, you're you an engineer, so that that checks out. I yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And and I was um I was very poor. I was in you know rock and roll, so I was constantly driving around uh, in a car that had no radio because I couldn't afford to fix it. And <laughs> and I realized one day that if you do the statistical, you know, like if they, you know, if you look at the statistics of you know half of each gender cheating right in their relationships, which is probably really optimistic. If you do the statistical regression on that, you wind up with a bell curve where, you know, if you, if you treat it as exactly 50%, then if you shake up the box of all of those and take out mating pairs and you do that a thousand times, you get, um, a bell curve where the, the tails are at 50% and 100%. Like your, <laughs> your max and min are 100% relationships with infidelity, which is where if all the, the cheaters wind up with non-cheaters and your minimum is 
equally infinitely unlikely 50% where all of the cheaters wind up with cheaters and your and your most likely result is 75% right at the top of that bell curve. And that's pretty grim math for the expectation of monogamy. And I was sort of a desperate, jealous, um, sad monogamous. This is not to imply that all monogamists are desperate and sad, <laughs> but I was desperate and sad and jealous. And, and I realized that, you know, there's probably a lot of good reasons to end a relationship, but sex probably isn't one of them. And that we're expecting unrealistic, unrealistic things out of half of the population. Yeah. Um, like literally forcing them into a template that doesn't exist. Yeah. 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 And so opening and looking into an open relationship or a non-monogamous partnership was a move. It sounds like to not put all of the responsibilities on one other person to make them meet what all of your needs, including sex uh, yeah. into yeah. one bucket. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. I love it. Also, by the way, Brady, you're talking to two engineers as well. So you got us going. I know Le- Leah fell asleep during that <laughs> statistical analysis, but you, you got us revved up. So that's nice. Um, She's heard it before. Yeah. Believe it or not, <laughs> I have told that story before in greater detail. I scared you um, the actual drawings of the <laughs> Well, it is a pod. It's a podcast, so those would be tough to translate. But I, yeah. I th- even even though just just wanted to touch really quick on the don't ask, don't tell. That was sort of your opening to non-monogamy. Was that sti- between the two of you, two of them? No, Brady's first. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Was that statistically driven as well? It sounded like that was a little more spontaneous. The that was more spontaneous. The statistically driven portion came. Excuse me. Um, I don't remember if it was during or just after engineering school, which was my second bout of collegiate affliction. (laughs) And yeah, I can't remember if it was, you know, mid nineties or late nineties that that, that occurred. But I do know that I was driving to Tennessee when it happened. So that would be 1999. It was in 1999. Um, Got it. He's all about the dates. All about the dates. Yeah. 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 It's, you're speaking my language. It's fine. I feel like there's a little bit more of like a, but what made your relationship a don't ask, don't tell? Was it distance? Was it like, what was, um, it was distance and I don't know. It was just the chemistry between us. And, you know, I, I, I remember her saying, I don't really care what you do. Just don't tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And did you, did you feel the same way in reverse? I, I, I don't need to not be told about it. Okay. Um, but I mean, yeah, I didn't, uh, mind if she was doing anything. I don't know that she was. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, I appreciate the, I think the background there is, is sort of helpful because it it sort of sets the stage for when, when you two come together and, Mm -hmm. And then maybe we jump there and it sounds like you started the two of you as sort of a don't ask, don't tell as well. And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm interested in how that came to be out of the gate for the two of you. I I think, I mean, in terms of the don't ask, don't tell, I think that was a um, comfort level thing for me, Mm -hmm. especially Um, like he said, like he's more 
like, okay, I can hear whatever. Um, I had never been a part of a non-monogamous relationship before and we were newly together. So it was a lot to kind of go out and navigate um, and not knowing him as well yet. And I tend to kind of be a little bit more reserved at first and what I'm sharing anyway, until I feel super comfortable with somebody. So that I think just felt safer for me. And mm-hmm. at the beginning, um, did you two have like an explicit conversation? Like, Hey, we're, we are now officially dating and we are officially in an open relationship and it officially looks like this, or was it sort of that ambiguous? Like, well, we were dating, but we didn't really <laughs> label it. And it just sort of happened. I remember this conversation explicitly. Yeah, um, and it was a conversation that I, it was a little bit one-sided because it was me. So Leah was, not freshly out of, but not unrecently out of a relationship that had involved some cohabitation at various points. And I had been um, single for seven years after a really bad um, marriage and relationship. And I looked at that and I said, you know, this, it was the second day we hung out. And I was very clear. I knew very clearly that I wanted to hang out with this person a lot. And I just said, you know, I I said, I'm not really willing to be monogamous at this point because I don't think you're really ready for a commitment. Like it's too soon. And which is kind of prescriptive, but also it was what I was comfortable with at that point. And, you know, right. But it was not like you were like, you have to be in a non- right, non-monogamous yeah. relationship with me. It was more, I felt like it was presented as like, this is an option. You know, yeah. what do you, how do you yeah. feel about that? What are your ideas around that? Are you comfortable with that? Is that something you would be open to? Um, yes. And so, yeah. And, w- and what were the answers to all those questions? I was going to say, how did that <laughs> land? <laughs> um, Honestly, I was still had a kind of friend on the side anyway. So I was like, sweet, this will be fun. Kind of like that was sort of my mentality at the time. And also as a bisexual person, I was like, oh, this is really interesting. That was the other factor. That that was a huge factor to me because it was like this light bulb moment of like, you mean I don't necessarily have to choose? Like I'd never been presented with the idea that I could have all parts of myself included in a relationship. Um, and so that part really intrigued me. And I would say even when things got really difficult at times, as we were figuring things out, that piece of it was part of the reason I just kept saying, no, I I really see the value here. I want to keep trying, even though this is difficult, I want to figure this out because I can see long-term how this is actually a really beautiful, um, thing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And so where, I guess, where did it go from there? Where did your relationship go from there? Um, we just kind of never stopped hanging out with each other. So. Yeah, we hung out a lot. And <laughs> yeah. um, I, I'm the kind of person I will, um, I will start nesting. Left to my own devices, I will start nesting in about five minutes. <laughs> and I'll start gathering sticks and mud immediately. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and I really worked hard to keep the brakes on because I could – I, because I started nesting immediately. I knew that this was a cool person that I wanted to spend a lot of time with. And so I, you know, kept it, uh, 
chill, a chill. I hate use that, to use but that word, did. but I kept yeah. a chill yeah. for quite a while. And I kind of surprised her when, it, when I thought it was time to, um, declare my, uh, love to her, um, because it had been long enough that I think she wasn't sure that that was happening. And no, it wasn't even that. I just, I was caught off guard because he had been so, um, I can't think of the word. Chillax. Very chill. Yeah. <laughs> Swung the pendulum a bit far the other yeah. direction, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also at the time, because we didn't, we weren't living together and we, um, at the time he was, um, going back and forth to Vermont and had on work trips and stuff. So life kind of naturally built in these pausing points for us where if it wasn't for work or for my daughter at the, and stuff, maybe we would have spent a lot of time together at first, but we had kind of a nice. Well, and I was traveling three nights a week right, for work yeah. at that point. That was my first medical job. Yeah. So I think so. that that was actually really healthy because it kind of gave us time to ourselves and time to kind of figure things out together. Yeah. Um, and, and separately as well. And then we spent every day together for two and a half years. Because <laughs> yeah. I got into a, um, I got into a car accident. I got rear-ended pretty pretty good, and I was on workers' comp for quite a while. And so even pre-COVID, we had spent like yeah, and every I'm a teacher, single day. So I get the summers off. Mm-hmm. So we talk about that a lot. We were like, wow, okay, we've spent. Like for the short relationship we've had, like we have spent a lot of time together between his injuries, between my summers off and then COVID had us like locked down for a while together yeah. too. So it's like, if we can do this, then I think we're good. <laughs> yeah. We've been in each other's space like incessantly. Yeah. I, and I, my mom and dad were together for 36 years when my dad passed. And I think yeah. we've spent more time together <laughs> and they had a great marriage. Yeah. And and I think we've spent more time together than they did. Yeah, lots of time. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I have a logistical question then, because if you are, you, you, you get together, your relationship is open, you're figuring out how to navigate that. L- Leah, for you, the first time ever, hmm. and you're sort of in a don't ask, don't tell, but you're spending. No, you're living apart first though. Well, sure. But the, at a certain point you, you start spending 24 seven together and cohabitating. How do you, how do you navigate a don't ask, don't tell under so those. we were no longer don't ask, don't tell by the time I moved in. Got it. Okay. And we so, had already hit pause on the open relationship once. No, I think that's why we hit pause. No, it was, it was, um, it was about five months before I moved in. Oh, okay. It was in, it was in, um, according to the spot on the visual calendar <laughs> that I have because of synesthesia, <laughs> it was in, um, late August, early September of, of 2018. Yeah. And we met in 2018 to, to okay. clarify. Yeah. And then when we, I can't remember if it was, it was probably me because I think about things and like to process a lot. Um, and I remember thinking we're moving in together and that really changes things. And now I kind of, and also because whenever he would go away, I was realizing like, I'm having like all this thoughts of like, oh, he's probably just, you know, with a partner or he, you know, and not really knowing because I was not actually having these conversations and half the time that wasn't even the case anyway. And so I was like, we need to actually talk about how this is going to work and how this looks. And if we're going to move in together and we're going to live together, then we have to have some open conversations about this. And I want to kind of go about this in a different way. Yeah. Um, yeah. That conversation was right before I broke my collarbone. <laughs> By your injuries. Yeah. Um, surgeries. work <laughs> life and surgeries. Yeah. And that conversation freaked me out. 
not going to lie, like having actually like having all the information um, was a lot. And I think it was like what we took two weeks of just like really three, two or three. Yeah. Okay. Three weeks of just really um, figuring things out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and we had, we both had respective partners that we didn't necessarily say like, goodbye, we're not going to see you again, but it was more like, okay, we need to like kind of focus in for a I, little bit. I did. Cause I didn't, I didn't, th- well, but I mean, I renewed, I, I, but I didn't think we were going to, I didn't think that we were going to make it out of that as a <laughs> in polyamory. And also at the very beginning, she was very opposed to the word polyamory. <laughs> um, she was like, F no, <laughs> absolutely not. We are not polyamorous. We have an open relationship. Well, that was partly <clears throat> too, because like some of the um, information I was getting surrounding poly was very prescriptive. Yeah. Very like, you know, you can't have a primary partner and you have to do it this way and you can't do it that way. And I was like, that's just, nah, that's not practical for my yeah. life. And it felt like a lot. And yeah, so you want to like, like create what works for you. Yes. And, yeah. And you yeah. were also concerned. And I think it's reasonable as a person new to the, I don't like to call it a lifestyle, but new to the relationship template dynamic. Yeah. Is you were also concerned about the expression of having more than one love. Yeah. Which turns out she's way more poly than I am. (laughs) Um, That's actually really me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Little Miss Demi over here. Um, Yeah. And so we had to, and, and, you know, we created a doc, a a very big document of 150,000 rules (laughs) That, um, that, you know, within six months we had forgotten about. And yeah. for but, me, like it, it made, it helped me to feel sort of centered and grounded in the, in what we were doing and in the relationship. I always say it was the nerdy teacher part of myself that was like, we're going to put this in a Google doc. And I remember I was reading, um, the ethical slut at the time and I had all these questions and I was like, okay, <clears> we're going to ask all these questions. We're going to talk about this and then I'm going to put it in this document. And then here we go. Here's our blueprint for how this is going to go. Obviously, that is not how things go, but it made me feel good at the time. <laughs> and and sometimes that uh, exercise is worth it for that, for like the yeah. the sense of security in that moment. As long as, like, it, like as long as you both recognize that it can change over time. Yeah. Well, I, I think and, too, what it does is it gives you an opportunity to sit down and say are we even on the same page about what we're thinking about? Even, yeah. even if you, in six months, you throw all the rules away, it's a, it is a great exercise to say, well, my rule is we, we only see our partners once a week. And the other person is like, my rule is I want to see him four nights a week. Well, you now know you are nowhere near each other on that rule. And you've got to now figure out what that looks like for the two of you. Yeah, so I think absolutely. there's a lot of value in that. Yeah. Well, and it was interesting to me because it was, it, this was a difficulty for me because once I did the math, once I, you know, saw the math, the math is out here. I'm looking at it. Um, once I saw the math of, of, um, let's call it monogamy. Cause that's what everybody else calls it. I don't know the, but once I saw the math of it, my brain just clicked and I stopped finding monogamy compelling. I was willing to do it for the right person, but I stopped finding it important and I stopped, I immediately, instantly stopped feeling any sort of jealousy in the classical sense. And so it was very difficult for me to sort of go through that with Leah because, well, I, I'm, 
I'm uh, on the autism spectrum, right? So things tend to be black and white. Like once I learn that something is, that's what it is. And and I'm all period. in the gray area. <laughs> she's got all the feelings and I don't have that many feelings. I didn't know that many feelings really existed, honestly. But, um, and so I had to learn the hard way to kind of sit with that process. I wasn't always very easy about it, but, but yeah, so it was, um, that was a challenge for me because for me, like this way of thinking had always just eliminated drama and it, um, just made sense to you. Yeah. 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 It it was not a challenge for me to accept it or embrace it. Well, and I think too, one of the things that he had to, um, kind of learn about me because he obviously we were still getting to know each other that my emotional process around it initially can be kind of like hard for me, but like, I'm okay with that piece. Like I'm okay with it being a little hard because I know that I'm learning something. I'm growing. I know that the only way that I can get to the next phase of whatever it is that I'm trying to do is by going through it and dealing with the hard pieces. And so I know for at times there were times he like was like, I hate seeing you hurting. Like, I don't, let's just shut this down. Like, I don't want to do this anymore because you know, I don't want to see you hurting like this. And I kept saying like, no, I've said that a fair like, amount. Yeah. And I kept saying, no, like I need to do this. I need you to let me do this. And I need you to just know that I will be okay. And that it's important for me to do this hard work because I really do see the benefits and I do see the other side of this. And I do see that, if I can like work through some of these things and I can gain a better understanding of what this all means and a better understanding of our relationship, I really truly believe I'll be okay. And I really truly believe that this is what I want. Um, but that was challenging. That was really challenging for you to like, Oh, it was awful. It was hard. And the thing that I never came to terms with, and, and I just, I just found the analogy right now and it's really useful is, you know, I, I was a competitive athlete, um, a high level competitive athlete. And, you know, I approach challenges with, you know, I just tackle them and, and do them. And I, you know, I have a certain approach to weightlifting, which is like, Oh, I can't lift this now, but I will lift it. And Leah, um, (laughs) sorry, our dog is, um, chafing at being in her crate. Um, Leah is an emotional athlete. Right. And she does emotional training with emotional goals. And, um, which is now that I think about it, I was sort of agnostic about it before, but it's really admirable. Um, this having these, you know, like I'm going to get through this and, and I don't know that, um, it's really gritty. It's grit, a lot of grit. Yeah. It's very gritty. Any of this ring a bell, Emma? <laughs> Just a little bit. Is it like interviewing ourselves? <laughs> In some Are ways, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brady, it's like interviewing myself. It yeah. is <laughs> staggeringly strange to me. What you described about watching Leah fight through that is my work right now. Just to to be able to sit and watch Emma. Work, do what you're doing. Do her own process <laughs> where I'm sitting there going, man, your process is so inefficient. And I just, <laughs> and it, it's, it's inefficient and it's painful and I have to watch it and I can't do it. And I, it's like intentional suffering. 
you know. It is. It's my process. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I'm going to go outside and now and hit myself with a hammer because that makes more sense to me. <laughs> yep. Uh, speaking my language. Okay. This is this is really interesting. I, I love it. I I would love to something I I think is a really fascinating piece of this story, which is for. Some some number of months, it sounds like maybe a handful of months, when you first got together, you were both sort of secretly but not secretly doing polyamory. And I think there is power in that. And because I think what happens often is people say, we're going to open our partnership, our marriage, our whatever. And everybody freaks out. like, oh, it's going to be the end of us. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And you two you came to a really hard conversation five or six months in about what non-monogamy was going to non-monogamy was going to look like, but you already had a lived experience of both doing it secretly. And you showed up at this point, like, well, Hey, look, we got here on relatively unscathed. We're both happy. We've both been navigating. It sounds like you both had more than just like friends with benefits. They were somewhat of other partners and that's not a place people usually start from. And I just, I find it really interesting. And I don't know that there's a question in there other than just if you're, if you're open to talking a little bit about how, how you sort of did it in secret and then took the cloak off because that's not a pattern or a path we've seen a lot of. And it wasn't necessarily in secret, but it was like the lights were off. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, or a door was shut. Yeah. Um, and well, I think too, um, I've said before that I really appreciate that Brady was immediately upfront about this, um, because of where I was coming from. I think it would have been probably detrimental to our relationship for him to have not said anything until like mm-hmm. six months in and then been like, Oh, this is what my thought process is. And this is what I want to do. Yeah. And that would have been extremely hard for me to pivot like that. Yeah. I tend to take change very slowly. And so I needed that time to kind of navigate it in my own mind. I think it was really beneficial for us to kind of have our own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I could kind of find my own space in it, not just this, I'm doing this because this is what Brady does, or this is what he's done before. But mm-hmm. like, what does this mean to me? And the, how do I want this to work for me without having to feel like any sort of feelings around seeing Brady with somebody else or talking to Brady about somebody else? So I kind of had this little cushion of time to kind of navigate all this, these thoughts and feelings before mm-hmm. you really dug deep and started to talk about it more openly. Yeah. Well, and you also, there was a, a day or not too early, but fairly early in our relationship where it was clear to me that she had recently been with another partner. And I guessed that. And she was really surprised that I was completely cool with it. Um, where I was just like, Oh, great. You know, like, did you have fun? And she was like, uh, yeah. I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh. And, and so she got to also have a taste yeah. of, um, of, of that. No, I, I just, I appreciate that. And I, I think the, when I said secret in the dark is a much better approach and I didn't mean it in secret, but I, I think what we, you know, what I think we've seen people experience and what, what comes up often is the feeling of, okay, if we start doing this, 
and I know about it, right? It's, oh, it's two, it's two days a week and then it's three and then, oh, it's too much. And this is impacting us. How is this going to change our relationship? And, and you two were sort of just in some ways saying, we're just going to keep showing up for our partnership the way we show up for our partnership and what's happening other times it doesn't much matter. And of course it, it does at some level matter, but you were, you were just keeping that part compartmentalized. And again, I think that's the piece. Um, and so there's an, 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 maybe an analogy of the, we or not even an analogy, but an example we heard of somebody who their open relationship is very much a don't ask, don't tell. And then once a year they get like blackout drunk and tell each other all of the stuff that they did for the last year. Yikes. And so (laughs) (laughs) that was sort of what came to mind when you shared that, because you you kind of did a couple of months of non-monogamy, and then you sat down and said, here's what's been happening. And that can really blow your mind to be like, well, holy shit, you... I don't know, just hypothetically, like you went on. You didn't really do a whole lot of this is what's happening, (laughs) what's happened. Right, yeah. We We did this is what's happening going forward you know i mean we talked a little bit about like Did oh we? yeah, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Okay. i mean you let you let a little bit of this the quote-unquote secret you turned a little bit of the lights up and said this yeah. is what it kind of looks like yeah and it wasn't like well holy shit you were off doing all of these things and yet we still have this amazing relationship and we want to yeah. keep it going mm-hmm. i think yeah. that was the part to me that was like you you didn't have to hide it, but you did. And then when you turned it on, you had a whole new perspective moving forward. That was yeah. well, that was what I was trying to get at in all of that. <laughs> so thank you for bearing with me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, um, yeah, I think it was just, I, I think it was really good for us to have those conversations when we finally did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that those conversations would have been a lot more difficult in the beginning just because we were so new to each other. Yeah. Um, and by yeah. the time we were having those conversations, we knew each other a lot better. And Brady had already figured out my, you know, I process a lot and, you know, just different things like that. Um, yeah. and, and how I approach things and how and I had learned more about how he approached things. And, um, it was interesting too. Cause I remember like, of course, in the beginning, there's a lot of insecurity and jealousy things that you have to kind of navigate and work through. Um, but it was funny once we started having conversations, I was like, Oh, you really were just in Vermont mountain biking. Like you weren't even seeing a partner. So like all these stories, you know, that I was creating in my own headspace that weren't even true. So that to me felt like much healthier to like have a better perspective on like, what is actually going on? Mm-hmm. Do I really need to like build this story in my mind? And do I need to be insecure about something that's sometimes not even actually happening? You know? Yeah. So I think that piece of being more open and honest was helpful. Sometimes the stories people. in our head can be way worse than the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, which was the way I was before the math. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once the math happened, I stopped having any stories in my head <laughs> at all. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, well, tell me the story. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, but, you know, and it's funny because uh, maybe two weeks before the shutdown, you're the partner you had then. I'm not going to say his name, That's okay. um, but like you, you got pretty intense with him the, during okay. the shutdown. The shutdown of what? The COVID. COVID. COVID shutdown. Yeah. Okay. So two okay. years of, as we were about to go into oh. our third year. Third year of dating the two of you. Yeah. Third. Well, third year of of relationship uh, approaching our second year of marriage. We got married about just about a year and a half in. Yeah. Um, and 
she had a partner that she started to go spend the night with two nights a week. And like, she had not been interested in this before. Mm -hmm. And that was the only time I ever had a question. And, and this was, this was during a, a period where I was having real difficulty having any partners whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, and which hasn't usually been my, you know, it's not usually my problem. But so I was sitting at home, you know, two nights a week while she was out, which I didn't necessarily mind logistically, like as a person who'd lived alone for seven years, I, I really didn't, I wasn't bothered by the, um, the alone time, but I was like, I was like, you know, I had to ask a couple times. I was like, are we really okay? Is this, are you, you know, is your foot out the door here? You know? Yeah. And, and I had to do that. Um, I'm well, and I think, I think partially too, because, um, this is a person that I had known for a while. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like I just randomly met this person and like, Oh, now you're my That's partner. True. Yeah. Like we had already had a friendship going back quite a few years. And so I think that probably added a little bit to it. Yeah. Well, and I'd had you, you'd already cried over one partner and, <laughs> and that happened. And I was like, what? No, no, this isn't, that's not a thing. What are we, this, we're like, we're doing this so that we don't cry about, but apparently we are doing it so that we cry about partners. Or at least I do. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. Well, which is a, which is a disorienting experience of, Hey, I'm here. We're, you know, we're married. We have a solid partnership and yet you're sad about losing a partner, right? That, that is not a paradigm that most people play in. And yeah. when you're it faced with it, paradigm yeah. I played in, yeah. like, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm your guy. Why are you crying yeah. now? Yeah. Um, but no, I, I th- that's another one I can really relate to. And, and we went through, we've gone through that a few times where, you know, logically, you know that people have emotions, right? If their their friend does something hurtful, they can still get sad. And you're like, well, hey, we're still married, but that doesn't really matter. And it's just, you you are not all of that other person's emotions, but it's, it's a weird thing when it happens and you're sitting there trying to comfort somebody about another partnership that they're sad about. And it's, it's not... I want to say it's not normal, but it's not something that you're used to if you, if you haven't done it before. Well, and I think too, like society has put us in such a box of monogamy and how we approach relationships and ownership of partners. And so there is no reference point for how do I comfort a partner when they're struggling because of another partner? Like, like, what is that? Yeah. And so in a lot of ways, I mean, I think, you know, 10 down, ten years down the road, people will have like a roadmap to look back on because there'll be a lot more stories and a lot more people talking about it. But a lot of us are just forging a new path. And so it's like, there's no reference point for how do you comfort your partner when they're crying because another partner ended things or hasn't called them back or something like that. Like, where do we even begin with that? And so I think that was a learning curve um, in a lot of ways. What are you going to say? Well, and, and, and also, you know, I, I'm a person like I learned in my twenties that if I, if I give too much leeway to my emotions, they just, they take over. Like I'm either not very emotional or I'm, you know, a giant snowball, you know, I'm an avalanche and, um, and I, uh, and so I stopped having, um, big emotions for the most part 
until I, unless I get to the point with something where I can't not have big emotions. And, and so I didn't understand. I was just like, why are you doing this to yourself? Why don't you stop doing this to yourself? Yeah. Um, where I like polar opposite. I like literally since I was like a, I don't know, probably 18 or so. I've always had the practice of if I don't, if I don't allow myself to feel both the bad and the good, I'm not fully embracing and feeling life. Yeah. And so I have to be willing to to deal with the hard. I have to be willing to feel the hard feelings so that I can also on the flip side, fully embrace the joy and the beauty uh, of life. And so this, that's been a practice for years and years and years. And so for me, this is just, this is how you handle emotion and this is how I do it. And, this, and he's like, what is happening? Right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spoken like somebody who's not known the joy of truly shutting off your emotions for a number of years. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It, it's so much of life is so pointy. And if you don't embrace those pointy things, you don't get pointy stuff stuck in your chest. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, I, don't, I don't embrace raspberry bushes. <laughs> you know, like. uh, I do. <laughs> Same. I'm curious, I'm curious. Have you, have you been exploring masochism? <laughs> oh boy. Um, I'm curious how the, what the dynamic is today, like between the two of you. Um, that's a funny question. I'm like the dynamic. Well, or the I ecosystem. Mean, ecosystem, yeah. Well, uh, I remember the words. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, kitchen table polyamory with um, descriptive hierarchy and a dash of relationship anarchy. Okay, what does that mean to you two then? That means us. Um, so I would say for us, like I... As a as a person who considers myself poly and I tend to really embrace relationships and really connect with partners, um, over time it kind of became clear to me that like calling somebody your secondary partner was kind of not cool. Like it's not really a title I want to give somebody like, like oh, othering. My secondary. Yeah, it felt othering to me. Um, but at the same time, practically speaking, obviously, like we live together, we have a mortgage, you know, we we're paying bills together. And so there is somewhat of there's always going to be somewhat of a I hate the word hierarchy, but there's going to be some sort of a connection here that I have to focus on a little more than others. It's a nesting um, partnership versus yeah, a non-nesting yeah, so partnership. Yeah, t- tends to be more yeah, of the, the term. Anchor, anchor partner, anchor, nesting, nesting partner. partner is t- tends to be more of the term that we'll use. I would say that in many ways, yeah, like even the other night, um, uh, we had people over for my birthday and I had a former partner here with her boyfriend. And, you know, I had a couple um, partners and a here partner. and a current partner here to celebrate with. So, <clears throat> Again, they're in, they're a part of our home. They're in our home. Um, and that is kind of just normal at this point. I talk, you know, I've talked to newer people in Polly and they're like, we're just talking about it all the time. And I'm like, well, that goes away. Like you're, you're not going to just be talking about Polly every single day. I said, you get, you get to a point where I feel like it's just a part of who we are now. Like it's just our life. Or, or we get to a point where instead of talking about our poly, we talk about the poly of the couples you're dating. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Which is, that and for fair. all the listeners, I just crossed my eyes and sighed. Um, <laughs> processing yeah. again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So much processing. So, so many much feelings. Processing. So many yeah. feelings. Yeah. Yeah. No, the the prescriptive. I'm sorry. I mean, Go for it. The, the 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 descriptive the descriptive hierarchy that you talked about. It makes 
total sense. And, it, you know, just like a really simple example that, that comes to mind is, you know, Emma and I live together and we also have long distance partners. So just practically speaking, if I'm going to run to the store, I'm probably going to let Emma know because otherwise she's going to be wandering around the apartment going, where are you? <laughs> Versus I'm probably not going to send a text to my other partner and be like, run into the store. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> There's some things that there are additional logistics when you are enmeshed with somebody that you don't necessarily have. Even if that partner lives in town, I probably wouldn't be like, hey, run into Trader Joe's. Maybe I'll bump into you. Like, we just we just do that versus if we yeah. live somebody with, with live with somebody. I can't talk today. <laughs> you should take over. I should stop talking. <laughs> um. I was curious, Brady, on your end, do you, have you found yourself forming deeper relationships with other people as well? Why, yes, I have actually. (laughs) Um, And it's not actually, actually, I'm not forming deeper relationships. I've just realized that I attach to people in a fairly fairly serious way, Mm -hmm. but I don't need to, like, I am attached to all of my former partners in certain ways, unless they've really, really ticked me off. Right. And I go, okay, you're out of the pool, but, um, and they never, they don't, they don't, they don't show up in the pool at all then. Right. Just I'm guessing based on my own past. Yeah. yeah. You're correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, and, and I, I, uh, uh, I, so I, I've come to acknowledge the fact that, uh, you know, like I never liked one night stands, even in my craziest rock and roll, you know, years, never liked them, you know, and, and I, I just, I've come to acknowledge the fact that I have relationships. They don't, a lot of my partners are in the, are, are in sort of the kink forum. And so they just don't look like the relationships that I had been told when I was a kid that was a relationship. Well, and I think he said before too, like that the way that I was connecting and and with people and talking about it helped you to realize like, oh, I really am connecting more with people than I realized. And like these connections are more important than I was actually giving voice to before. Yeah. Um, So kind of change that perspective. Well, early on in the relationship, I, I, there were, I, you know, I would be inclined to downplay the importance of friendships because I didn't want to threaten you. Yeah. You know, and, and I do, you know, the thing that I do in the descriptive hierarchy is I do make it clear to my other partners that the situational satisfaction of my nesting partner has to, has to come kind of, uh, because if, if she's really unhappy, I'm really unhappy. If that makes any sense. I was an only child. I have a ton of mirror neurons. So I tend to absorb the emotions of other people. And, you know, if there's a situation that's making her miserable, I'm not going to be enjoying things either. And so I try to, you know, I do a little bit prioritize Leah's happiness. Right. Yeah. I mean, probably in more ways than I even am asking, which I do appreciate, but there have definitely been times where I'm like, Oh, you really didn't 
you don't need to cancel that. I'm like, I'm okay. But he's super conscientious of making sure that I'm good. Um, and I would say, luckily, you've had a couple of different partners that have been incredibly supportive. Very understanding. Um, um, and even supportive of me. Um, a couple of years ago, I went through a really difficult breakup. And um, one of his partners came. A couple of years ago? Yeah. Yeah. It's a couple of years ago now. Which one are you, which really difficult breakup are you talking about? Do you really want to talk about that right now? Cause I don't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, his partner came by the house, um, just to hang out with us and, um, she'd hang out with Brady and I and my daughter. And I can't remember. I think she was just in town and brought over some treats and whatever and sat down on the, the deck with me. And we just talked for a while and it was, um, it was just really nice to like have her listen and share a perspective and really care about me in those moments and lean into that. And, um, honestly, it's nice, it's nice having a social worker partner. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I'm sure that plays into it too. Cause she is a social worker. Um, so that was really a beautiful gift that came from it. And initially I remember one of the very first times that I met her, I can be very snarky. I like wicked sarcastic sense of humor. <clears throat> that doesn't always hit Brady. And sometimes he's like, what are you serious? Are you mad? Or I'm like, no, I'm joking. Like, I, I don't understand why am I having to explain sarcasm to you? Um, so she, her and her husband had come over to the house and they had this like whole snarky, like communication going on. And I was like, Whoa, what the heck? <laughs> so mad. It was way more than that. Yeah. She was, I was she really was upset. Miffed. I was like, how, how are you having these like snarky conversations? Like snark is my favorite. Like, why can't we do this together? And so initially it kind of created the space where I felt almost a little threatened, I would say. Um, and so it took me some time to open up and feel warm fuzzies. And I know that definitely helped when she had come over to the house and just sat with me and talked with me. Um, and very recently I think, Oh, he was, you were sick. Something was happening. I, he was sick or something. And I was flying to, to Florida and I said to him, I said, you know, is, is your partner around? Because I feel like, like, I feel like somebody should come check on you. And like, I, I, I know she cares about you like I do. So and just kind of having that thought process. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So having that thought process of like thought process of like, we're sharing this space. Like we both really care for this person. And I know that I can count on this person to care for my partner as well. Um, and that was just a really, I don't know, that moment felt really cool to me to like get Mm -hmm. to that full circle space of like really appreciating his partner. Um, and, what she adds to his life, but then in turn, what she adds to my life as well by being that person. Um, so yeah. 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 And it, and it, the, that sarcasm thing is really interesting and difficult <laughs> because like being poly and being good at being poly doesn't fix, you know, conflicting alarm responses yeah. and, you know, being raw and like just, you know, if you get in the wrong space, then sarcasm always sounds like passive aggression. Yeah. You know, and, 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 uh, I'm definitely guilty of that. Yeah. Like, well, um, and of course we're, we're living <clears throat> in each other's space all the time. And so of course we're going to be a little bit more sensitive to mm-hmm. emotions and yeah. tone of voice and all of those yeah, things. All of those things. Yeah. 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 What do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What I, I think one of the parts that I love about that conversation is just you, you ask any monogamous person, you know, broadly speaking, what is your biggest fear if you were to open your relationship? And it's uh, probably across the board, it's sex. 
and you're like sarcasm too much like i didn't like that he was being sarcastic with this other person and like it's just amazing that like sex is like eh, you know sex is sex it's there's more to life than sex and, sarcasm yeah. needs to be added to like the love languages for me it's your love language sarcastic humor yeah yep yeah. I, can, I can say the sarcasm but i don't really understand it yeah. when it's pointed at me right <laughs> It's a dangerous weapon. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm curious uh, if you're willing to talk about it. You know, you mentioned that you have a daughter, Leah, and um, how have you navigated the different relationships with her and how has that gone? Really so, well. Yeah, it has. Um, so when she first, when we were first together, she was only eight. So it was, we just weren't really talking about it. I think she's probably about 10. 11, say, 10 or 11. It was just um, a, a year was, or two ago. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago. And she was kind of aware of different relationship styles. And I've, I've been very open in the way that I talked to her about partnerships and life and whatever. And she had, so kind of an understanding of that everybody's different. Every relationship is different. I mean, she's has parents who've been separated since she was three and our two families are really close and we get along very well. So she kind of has, this, and weren't always, we weren't always, but we really worked towards <clears throat> that. And so her view of family and relationship dynamics is a little bit broad anyway, to begin with. And I'll never forget. We taught, we, for some reason decided we were going to tell her, I think because we just realized she's getting older. She's going to meet certain people and she's going to start to have questions and wonder. And so we said, you know, we just wanted to let you know that we're, you know, in an open relationship. We're poly. And I said, you know, what is, what does that mean? Do you know what that means? And she said, yeah. She goes, it means that you can love more than one person as long as everybody knows about it. And I was like, I did not know. Okay. Fair. That's (laughs) in a nutshell that that works. And she was very nonplussed by it. And went about her day. Like, and that was that, like, that was the very simple conversation that we had. And so from there, it's just been certain people she's met, like she's met, you know, your partners and she's met some of mine as well. Uh, it kind of depends on the She's met a bunch of, of years because yeah. they come around the house. Oh yeah. I would say yeah. one of my, so one of my former partners, um, her daughter and my daughter are really good friends and they, we continue to be friends. Um, and we have been for what, two or three years now. So she's in some ways um, involved, but I guess I would say in an age appropriate way, obviously. Yeah. 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 No, thank you for expanding on that. Yeah. Yep. No, I think it's, it's helpful just to uh, hear how, how people navigate it with, with children. Cause Mm -hmm. everyone, I think, yeah, people approach it different ways. And, but at the end of the day, I mean, kids, what we found is kids are pretty, uh, I guess um, they have an easier time understanding often, like often before the world breaks them, they often have an easier time understanding than adults. Yeah. They're neuroplastic, right? I have to say it's funny because I, (laughs) she sent me a TikTok one day of some poly couple. She's like, Oh mom here, you should watch this video. And I'm like, okay, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) She's got your back. Yeah. Yeah, she's on Polly TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. funny. And I I do want to say one thing um, in terms of developing the closeness between her ex-husband's family and our family. It wasn't we worked toward that. 
it was Leah worked toward that and did the lifting. Well, and yeah, necessary and her stepmom as well. We both. <clears throat> yeah, she yeah. did. She did. I, but like that, you know, there there were times when I was perfectly ready to throw hand grenades, you know, <laughs> and 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 it was Leah that did the the real heavy lifting in terms of the community building there. And which I think has also played into like building that sort of very out of the box family, I think also plays into how I approach Polly and knowing like that any type of relationship, whatever it is, especially when it's not the norm is going to take some time and it's going to take some effort and it's going to take like commitment to working through. Yeah. yeah. And in being very intentional and we want what's best for everybody in the situation. And then with my daughter is we want what's best for her as, you know, as a child, we want what's best for the kids. Um, and so I think that for me is a big part of how I approach Polly is like, I'm here to connect with people. I want to really get to know people. I want to build a relationship. I want to build community, um, whether it's as, you know, a friendship or a partnership or whatever. Like I really enjoy building that aspect of things and kind of that's how it sort of, we became more kitchen table Polly. Um, and it was funny too, because before I was willing to be like, yes, I'm Polly. He would, He'd be like, Leah, you're Polly. And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> like, Come on, you are. He's like, you're constantly building community. You're constantly <clears throat> inviting people over for dinner and doing yeah, this and that. Yep. And like, and I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> and she was like, I'm demisexual. And I'm like, like so yeah, you're I'm fine having polyamorous relationships. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, thank you both for everything, everything that you've shared. You, you I have, have more questions. If, if you're okay with it, Emma. Go for it. Are you two okay with it? With another question? Yeah. yeah. It's a harder one. And the question is, how have you each seen the other person grow over the last few years that you've been together and doing non-monogamy together? Yeah, I think I would say definitely the way that Brady approaches relationships um, is different. And um, I've seen, like, I feel like you there's more warmth in the way that you approach people um, and in the way that you approach everybody, not just like your partners, but like me and Maddie and um, oh, I'll have to be careful about that. <laughs> you don't want people getting too chummy. <laughs> yeah. And another thing too, that was um, hard. I, I mean, I'm a communicator. I'm the oldest of seven kids. We, there was just constant conversation where he's an only child. And so it has taken time for him to, um, kind of be accustomed to sharing things with me. And it's been really nice. Like I would say that's one of the things that I really appreciate, especially this year. I feel like we really made some strides there where you, he's sharing a lot more um, and a lot more openly. Not that he was like trying to like ever hide anything or be deceptive or whatever, but I enjoy like having that very open dialogue between the two of us. And I feel like it's really brought a lot of strength to our relationship. Um, yeah. I would say, which is a big shift for you, though, right? I mean, when you started, you didn't. You it seems like you didn't necessarily want that, and now that's a yeah. big shift. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, I've I've learned to stay in hard conversations mm-hmm. longer. Yeah, um, because I've seen the way you use them to grow instead of using them as I would to create and nurse resentments, <laughs> which, you know, you is impressive. I, so in terms of, <laughs> terms of growth, that it's really hard to pick um, <clears throat> any particular thing because 
you know, I didn't have a whole lot of poly growing to do, you know, but boy, oh boy, um, you know, to come from, you know, a don't ask, don't, and she like forced herself to be okay with a whole bunch of stuff that she wasn't geared emotionally geared to be okay with. I don't want it to sound like she was forced to do these things because she, she wasn't, they can't hear you shaking your head. Um, (laughs) Tell them, tell them I didn't force you now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I need you. You better tell them. I was an active participant. (laughs) Um, Enthusiastic, positive consent. I believe enthusiastic, positive uh, consent with, with, yeah. Um, I just repeated that. I don't know why, but so the, the, the growth for Leah has been, uh, across the board really. Um, and she's undertaken this while going through a lot of other external hard stuff, you know, like life has not been, um, kind necessarily. Um, you know, we have a lot of privilege, but, um, there have been, there's been some rough stuff and yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Pan- um, pandemic teaching is <laughs> yeah. It's been they, quite a couple of years. I didn't yeah. prep you for that in school. Right. Today. Yeah. Oh, no, not at all. No. no. And I, so I, that was, that was the biggest non-answer to any question that we've probably had today, but, um, but no, like I've just watched her kind of open like a flower mm-hmm. really is the, which, Sounds vaguely, what would the word be? Uh, gender. Oh, it's uh, fine. Normative. But yeah. anyway. I know what you mean. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, it's yeah. everything. Everything. Yeah. I love it. Okay. I have to, I, I would have to say though, like, I don't want anybody to ever think that this was just, oh, we just did this and we're so good at this. Like, we've also had a lot of therapy, like individual therapy, couples therapy. Um, I've had some medication. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like I think that's important. I think trying to navigate all these ins and outs and dynamics and changes, like you need support. You really need support. Um, and, and right off the bat, we didn't have a a lot of friends who were open or were poly. And at first my friends didn't know. So it was like, there weren't people necessarily to talk to at first about it. And so I think, Therapy has been huge in, in giving us a lot of tools for communication and working things together and how, how we can approach things better. Um, yeah, I think that's helped make us healthier. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. One, I think, too, I mean, my own two cents in my own experience, regardless of non-monogamy, uh, when, when two people show up in a relationship on such different ends of the spectrum of how they process emotion and communicate, non-monogamy is really irrelevant in some cases like the therapy that we've been going through has been so transformative individually and together to figure out how to have the empathy how to understand the other person just even just the concept that like we look at the same thing and sometimes see two not they like it's not even the same picture we're looking at and i don't know how that's possible but we're learning to navigate when that happens and not that we're ever going to see the same picture, but that we can understand that we don't see the same picture and have the empathy for what the other person sees. And that wasn't a skill we had for many years in our partnership. So what you're saying is that even though we don't see the 
same picture, she can understand that her picture is wrong. (laughs) I'm really glad I've heard somebody else say this. (laughs) You, you You do not know, Brady, how many times our therapist said, do you want to be right or do you want to be in a relationship? I feel like she was... One of those pull, like you pull the little string on the back of the the, the action figure, and that's what yeah. she would say. Over and I still over. Kinda, I still kind of want to be right, but <laughs> but internally, you just have to you just have to swallow it and say, okay, yep, right, wrong, or indifferent. We we want to we want to coexist, and so we've got to yeah, yeah. we've got to do shit different than we have been. Yeah, and absolutely. damn, it's been hard. So I I can really. I just have a ton of empathy for the two of you and, mm-hmm. and navigating that. And I appreciate you saying too, that you know, bringing up therapy. And I think, well, and mentioning that like, it's not all like rainbows and butterflies. Right. Right. That there yeah. are challenges. Cause it's, yeah. There's a lot of unicorn tears. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, she fuels the Republican party with her unicorn tears. So, um, <clears throat> the Republican party. Yeah. Well, they, they, they run on unicorn tears oh, and, okay. and puppy, puppy, <laughs> grind Um. (laughs) i love it i love it well we have another question that we often ask Uh, yes uh do you have any bloopers that you would want to share so we like to ask this question as i'm assuming this is where you're going i just kind of doesn't matter now took over (laughs) we're going here now i just took over (laughs) that's actually where i was going uh but we like to ask whether you've uh, experienced anything that is uh, funny or unusual just to show that sex and relationships don't always go as planned. It doesn't have to be sex related unless you want it to be. The ukulele. The what? The ukulele. <laughs> what? You can't say the ukulele and not tell the ukulele story. <laughs> I will. <laughs> That's fair. Okay. So Brady, especially in the beginning, and probably not as much anymore, but he used to like, tease me all the time. He's like, your vetting process for partners is ridiculous. He's like, it's just so strenuous. It's like, what, you know, it takes you forever to like, and I'm like, yes, but I need to have a conversation. I need to know if I connect with this person. I don't want to go meet them. And then like, and on, on, yeah, yeah. On. <laughs> so, uh, you know, after he had said this quite a few times, I was like, you know what? Fine. Fine. Ukulele. I'm just going to go <laughs> meet some random person and just yeah, see how it goes. Um, I, so I, I meet this person at a bar. We were polar opposite types of people. It was a very, very awkward date the entire time. We were at a bar where I was very comfortable. It was like a place that I liked going and I was, this, this person just never stopped talking. It was awkward. And I'm like, I have, it was awkward. <laughs> it was awkward. <laughs> yeah. Like, I have got to get out of here. Like I've got to get out of here. You know? So you're like trying to like t- have your drink and whatever. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm like, all right. You know, like I got to work tomorrow. So, you know, I'm going to get going now. And, you know, so we, we leave the restaurant and walk over, you know, walk into my car and he's like, Oh, just wait. Okay. And I'm like, Oh God. Okay. Sure. What is this going to be? Comes back with a ukulele, decides to serenade me in the parking lot. And I am not a person that likes like having people's attention on me or anything. I am just like, oh my God, there's people walking out of the restaurant to get to their cars, the kitchen staff coming out of the kitchen. And I'm just sitting there like, what is happening right now? Like, what is happening? Like serenading me with some like love song he wrote. I'm like, I don't know you, sir. Like, I do not know you. I've never met you before in my life. It was the most awkward date I have ever been on. 
I can't remember how like I got kind of like out of there into my car. I got in my car and I just burst into laughter. I was like, that was the funniest, strangest experience I've ever had in my life. And I called him and I am like, and this is why I have my vetting process. (laughs) I tried it the other way. I'm going back to my way. (laughs) And I, I'll tell you, like I have such, I have a visceral physical uh, empathy, embarrassment reaction to this story for both of them. Yes. Yes. You know, like I was a singer, I was a working singer songwriter for 14 years. And like, that's just something you don't do. (laughs) You just don't do it. I have very few, I don't have the normal people boundaries, but my God. Um, (laughs) And yeah. Uh, what, what would be a blooper with me? Um, hmm. um, a person coming into the house when I had a partner over oh. and, and who a per, it was a person who knew that we had this kind of relationship, but walked into the house and, n- nothing, and I was out of town. Yeah, was nothing was in in flagrante or anything, but it was just like, uh, hi, you know, <laughs> what are you doing here? Uh, and yeah, that, well, ha- that the happened. the story, Brady locks the door now. <laughs> yes. Brady locks the door. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, we got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the unfortunate sense of the word we got lucky um but yeah that that's one of them i think yeah i love that i have a bonus question that wasn't on the agenda go for it because and then then we'll wrap it up then we'll wrap it up eventually (laughs) so this one came out of it seems like you two have a very different betting process and this it, it struck me as interesting because i once again see that mirrored in our our partnership And historically what this often looked like was more when we were doing what would be more traditional swinging, where we would go to a a party or a club and we would try to meet other couples typically. And I was always the person who would like see, I can, I can like walk into a room and it's not as if I'm like, I want to do you and you and you. And it's not like, I'm just like, but I can pretty much scan a room and be like, these are the people that seem interesting to me. And I can make that calculation very quickly. And, and we would have, I'd be like, well, are you interested in going to talk to somebody? Like they seem like nice people. It's like, I don't know. I don't really know them. I'm like, well, I know you don't know them. We've only been here 10 minutes. That was the why we would go talk to them. And so she like never wanted to ever go talk to anybody because she didn't, I'm also really shy. She didn't know like, well, maybe I won't like them. I'm like, well, I understand you might not. And that's okay. But we, we seemed to approach this in a very different way where I was often like, yeah, this could be a total waste, but like, there's an experience to have here and we could, so your ukulele, like, yeah, I would be mortified. And and I actually similar to Brady, I was feeling that myself, but then I'm like, (laughs) just in the story. Yes. But just to say like, well, I did that. And that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't like that story wouldn't exist if you hadn't taken that chance. Yeah. And so I see it a little bit from that perspective, but this was a place that, that you and I bumped into each other a lot. We would go to these events and it was always like, well, I don't know if I want to talk to them because I don't know them. And I'm like, 
we got a chicken and egg problem here, don't we? And we we never really worked our way out of it other than we stopped kind of going to those types of events. What's or I started going on my own. I don't know. It was just What's your question. To them? <laughs> it, it, it was an it was something that seemed to be a bit of a similarity in how we approach things. And I guess it, if it resonated was really more of well, any I think, question. Like I'm always for like a, an experience and a good story too, but it's that initial hurdle that is, is yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I think like, I think that's often mm-hmm. in a lot of ways why we have often just sort of dated separately mm-hmm. um, because our approaches are very different. Um, and oftentimes we are approaching and looking for different things, mm-hmm. not to say that we, you know, don't hang out together with people too, but um for, for us, that's been more of a comfort zone just because we are very different in our approach um, and what we're looking for. Um, and um, Yeah, and I know – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go for it. I know pretty instantly, even over text, um, when I have uh, chemistry with somebody and I'm, I'm not ever wrong. I'm, I never miss the mark on that. Um, Maybe I was like, from your experience so far, <laughs> maybe, yeah, but I, I, you know, I worked in rock and roll for 24 years. So I had, so I've had some experience. With right. You know, I lived, uh, as a slut, um, and enjoyed it. And so my, you know, I like, there's, there's two things, there's the smile and there's the right chemistry. And that's all, that's all I really need like the attitude the attitude is commensurate to the the chemistry right and the rest of it is not the rest of it is icing you know and so yeah i'm pretty quick to decide whether or not i can at least you know move forward and experiment with a person and Leah is, I tend to converse more. Like I need a little bit more of a conversation and kind of feel out somebody's vibes. I'm all about the vibes of somebody. And, and, and we, do, I do have conversations, but mm-hmm. like, I know, right. I, you know, it's not like it takes me three days of conversations to, you know, like in, in te- 10 minutes, I, I know, I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's definitely quicker and I'm slower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And I don't know that one way is right and one way is wrong, right? Everybody has their own, you know, the, 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 um, every process is its process. Yeah. That, yeah. Every the adage process. that comes to mind for me is the one from the startup world of fail fast. And I'm sort of that, like I dive in and yeah, like you said, within 10, 15 minutes, I'm like, I know it's either like a fail not necessarily a failure in the sense that we would never communicate again, but and so I can compartmentalize, I can put it in whatever category my brain needs it in pretty quickly. And, yeah. and we do that process very differently. Well, and I think that's the beauty of all of this though, mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. we get to be ourselves in all of it, like together and separately, you know, we can approach this in ways that work for us and you guys can approach it in ways that work for you. And to me, that's just such a beautiful part of open relationships and polyamory. <clears throat> I love it. Mm-hmm. And I kept asking questions to get a perfect ending. And I think we just got it. Yeah, that was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I can't introduce myself, but I guess. Oh, but you got to try again now. Remember, we said we were coming back. Yeah, she's a closer. I can close the deal. <laughs> <clears throat> perfect. I love it. Well, yeah. 
Is there anything else that either of you wanted to share and get out there before we let you go? Hmm. I will say I have a couple of friends that when I first um, talked to them about being in an open relationship and one of them was kind of just quiet and listened. The other was like, no way I could never do that. I would be so jealous. Like, I don't know how you do that. But then they like had all these questions and they were curious and they were super supportive, even though they weren't, you know, non-monogamous at the time. Um, it was nice because I could still talk to them about all of it and have like, you know, people to, to talk to. Um, well, since then I found out this year that they're both now in open relationships. <laughs> so <laughs> It's a part of me that's like, Oh, I love it. You know, like I you planted the seed and now look at, you know? Um, and so that, that to me is one of my favorite things about all of this is having those conversations and the more open you are and the more conversations you have, you never really know like how you're actually helping someone else maybe open up or see the world in a different way and enhancing their life in the ways that, you know, polyamory has enhanced my life. Like I, I feel like it's a gift. And so sometimes it's, it's really nice to see that sharing that has helped someone else as well. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I, one of the things that I've, I've really enjoyed about polyamory and about watching this process happen with Leah's friends (laughs) is that all of my, all of the men I know are super monogamous people. Um, and the, the stereotype is that, you know, men are out there, you know, going crazy and, and, (laughs) and I really love the defeat of the trope that's happening here where I see polyamory expanding rapidly with women and, um, it's been super empowering too yeah. as a woman to like have these, I, I can't remember, I was talking to somebody about it the other day that, you know, there was a time that even just going into a bar and sitting down by myself would have like, Oh, it's terrifying. Like, why would I do that? You know? And how, how you know, these different dates that you have to go on and conversations that you're having, like over time has really given me, um, taken away a lot of that social anxiety, taken away a lot of that fear and made me feel a lot more confident and able to go into various social situations in a more confident way. Um, and so I think that it, it's very, in, from my perspective as a woman, it's been incredibly empowering. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Well, and I've enjoyed watching that. Yeah. 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 Cause I have a, I have a relative, I, I also have the privilege of being able to move quickly in Polly, because I'm six foot four and I weigh 210 pounds and I'm a former, you know, U.S. bronze medalist heavyweight fighter, right? Like nobody's gonna, even though I may feel small inside because I was bullied a lot when I was a kid, like I'm, I'm an imposingly large and physically capable person. So I can go out and do things that would be dangerous for a woman to do. Yeah. Right. And I've, and it's been really the, the whole thing has been very educational term in, to me in terms of my privilege um, and understanding my privilege, but also watching my partner gain um, privilege that was typically not afforded to um, her gender previously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I'm really glad you brought that up. I appreciate that, Brady. And I think too would be remiss to not touch on that and tie that back into how slow and maybe how slow Emma and, and Leah maybe form their partnerships versus our, our proclivity to go fast and fail fast. There's a, there's a whole different risk profile there for, for them or for, for the, the non cisgendered white males of the world. It's a whole yes. different risk profile. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. that's and some of it is quite cute. Yeah. The risk. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been amazing. Yes. Thank you both so much. I mean, I'm like, welcome. I'm like, we could keep talking about that yeah, topic so, and many others yeah. for like on and on and on. I was like, I feel kind of abrupt, like, oh, I'm just going to stop this. But uh, we, we don't want to take your whole evening. So thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for this beautiful conversation. And, well, and all have us back for Brady and Leah to the resurrection. <laughs> right. Um. Uh, be careful what you ask for, because we do do uh, round twos. <laughs> All right. So you can you have time to make more blooper yeah. stories. Yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'll have to get on that. Like I'll... your uke- your ukuleles in the mail. You can just go around. You just create them yourself. There you go. I've ne- you know I've learned a lot of instruments, but that one that's one I've never been able. To, I've never learned. So you don't have to make it awkward. You don't have to know how. Oh, uh, it's really it, but it's more awkward if you're good at it. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again, both of you, and have a wonderful night. Yeah. Yeah. You, you too. too. You too. Yeah. And, and we're, we're back. back. I was, you know, after last week, <laughs> where I forgot this part. You forgot. I thought maybe I'll just, I'll just be your assistant. Today. <laughs> How'd I do? Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Thank you, Leah and Brady, for everything that you shared and just coming on and being so vulnerable with us. We had a lovely conversation and are grateful to get it out there. Without a doubt. (laughs) A quick reminder, go to our website. You can check out information on our community, along with our upcoming new weekly support groups that we're launching this summer. Uh, And I think that's it for right now. Well, in case you forgot, we've postponed. Well, we haven't postponed. We're on sabbatical. Yes. We're on sabbatical from the weekly, not the weekly, on sabbatical from the virtual meet and greets. Yes. Just for the summer. Don't worry, we'll be back. And just for the meet and greets. Nothing else is on sabbatical. Nothing else is on sabbatical. <laughs> Next week, we have a wonderful interview with Frank. So you're going to have to come back and listen to that one. That one's full of laughs. Yes. Lots of laughter. Yeah. Make sure your funny bone is stretched out. <laughs> Can you stretch your funny bone? I don't know. Why not? I don't know. We're not doctors. We say that at the beginning. So we hope you all have a wonderful week. You stay stay cool, stay warm wherever you are, whatever you need. Yeah. Well, I'm going to stop talking. I think that's take it. Us, take us away, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. <laughs>